Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Thanks for joining us on the Victor Mark Show today. We're joined by Buddy Jericho, who is he's not only the founder of Echo Analytics and a certified intelligence officer for many years, but he's a friend of mine and he's a board member for All Things Possible Ministries. Now, as I mentioned, Buddy, uh, being an intelligence officer with over 18 years of experience supporting national intelligence agencies with the U.S. Special Operations Command, with 14 combat deployments, Buddy served in Bosnia conflict and uh, the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. Buddy's also worked as an intelligence officer in the Defense Intelligence Agency. And uh, I mean, his history is unprecedented and really unmatched. As I mentioned, Buddy is a certified intelligence officer with over 18 years of experience supporting national intelligence agencies and the U.S. Special Operations Command. With 14 combat deployments, Buddy served in the Bosnia conflict and the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. But he also worked as an intelligence officer at the Defense Intelligence Agency and served in the National Military Joint Intelligence Center, where he briefed senior defense officials at the Pentagon on strategic and tactical human intelligence operations. Buddy, thank you for joining us on today's show. Thank you, Victor. I, uh, I'll tell you, I am very appreciative of all the opportunities I've had, you know, serving our country and you just listed off a lot of them. Uh, but I'm especially appreciative of the opportunities I've had to work with ATP. So I just wanted to thank you for having me on the show today. And I'm extremely grateful that you've uh, allowed me to become part of this community. It does humbling words for us. And we're so grateful. I tell folks when I try to, when I try to, let people know who you are. I say, one, he has helped keep us alive uh, in in the last, you know, 14 pumps to the Middle East. Uh, and the work that we've done in ministry, we were very, uh, we were very thankful to have some of your experience level uh, to be able to not only give us introductions, but provide that level of experience that it matters and keep on people alive. Now we read off a lot of accolades, but uh, you've worked for and with the top, I would say units or agencies that have made a difference in the realm of counterterrorism. And uh, you're, you're known as being a um, interviewer or interrogator. You have had, several thousand interrogations of some of the most high value individuals. Uh, and it's not like what people see on the movies. You, you actually, you don't lie. You're not torturing people. No. Uh, how could you encapsulate that round? Cause that right there, people are going to go, Oh, he's interrogated people. Uh, how would you explain yeah. that? Well, I'll tell you, the, the way you sort of just laid it out there, it makes it sound so important. Um, but I'll tell you that uh, for me, it's it's actually been pretty easy. Uh, it's it's a matter of good versus evil. 
And, you know, when you're committed to good and doing the right thing, the job becomes pretty easy. And, and you mentioned that, <laughs> keeping you alive. It's uh, I enjoy what I do. Um, there are a lot of bad people in this world. There's a lot of evil in this world. But I've also learned in my experiences, too, that, you know, some of it is uh, sometimes people get caught up in these wars and even the counterterrorism and some other things. And I'm not talking criminal. I'm just talking about wars. But sometimes people get caught up and they're a victim of the circumstance. They're a victim of the environment. They're a victim of what governments have made decisions to do. And so while, yes, we've had the opportunity to interrogate some very senior people, there's a lot of good people that get caught up in this. And one of the things that has, has kept me motivated about my work is finding those good people amongst these bad actors and these bad environments and these unfortunate circumstances. And you probably know just as well with your travels that uh, there are bad people, but there are also a lot of good people. And uh, so, you know, for me, it's been easy because I just, I stay focused on good. I stay focused on trying to touch people's lives. And uh, regardless of somebody's from Iraq, Afghanistan, the United States, a country in Southeast Asia, um, as human beings, we're generally, you know, most, most people are good. Um, they're just sometimes victims of circumstances that they have no control over. I've got to say that for those of you who, who, don't know an experience that I had in Mosul when we were recovering a child. There was a an ISIS commander that was captured, and I had the opportunity to speak to him. Um, you know, and it was you know after midnight outside Iraqi forces they had captured him, and he was getting beat. And I remember asking a friend of mine, a general that uh, Iraqi force that we embedded with, I said, "Can I just visit with him? I mean, I've been shot at by these guys, mortared." had to do my share of defending ourselves. And I go, you know, I'm, I'm here really to do humanitarian work and be a light, uh, you know, for, for, for the Lord. And it was some of the principles that I learned from you that really helped me to start visiting with this guy. The first question I asked him, you know, what is a high-risk missionary going to ask an ISIS fighter who this guy would have wanted me beheaded and would have been a trophy? What do I ask him? And I never forget, I, I thought about some of the things that I've learned from you and your experiences. And I just said, hey, do you have a family? First question. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm married. I said, you children? Yes. Told me about his children. And then we just talked about life. And I remember asking him, hey, can I ask you why you got involved with ISIS? And I was, I was actually shocked at a couple of his responses. The first was he said, well, my brother got involved first in the village that I'm from. Here is my brother going off and other people to fight, you know, what they believe in. And I'm here and people are looking at me like I'm a coward. So I joined and there's no doubt he did some pretty evil things. But I remember asking him this, buddy. And for those of you listening, this is insight to the, the mind and the heart of a, a guy who's very much ISIS. I said, what would you have young men to know who are thinking about joining ISIS? And he said very clearly, he paused and he said very clearly with his hands tied behind his back, sitting down, legs crossed, and my dog looking at him pretty hard. He said, tell them, do not come to the darkness. Hmm. 
I thought that was amazing, right? So you've met a lot of people who, again, by the circumstances they couldn't control, made decisions that they thought were right. And have you been able to turn what we would call turn some people from their way of thinking? Yeah, and and uh, the the things you just mentioned are so important. And and you know, I I have found in my experience that there are more things I have in common with a lot of these folks and these individuals than what I don't have in common. And a key to that, in terms of turning them, Victor, I think um, in the United States and in in a lot of Western countries, there are a lot of things we take for granted. Uh, for instance, the ability to call or dial nine one one. Mm. Uh, that's something is that is afforded to us as a basic right here in the United States. But, uh, you know, what about that villager who, you know, who's being bullied by the sheikh and mm. the town and the terrorists, and they are coming and doing things to his wife and his children every night? Who does he call for help? There, you know, there is no 911 number uh, in most of these countries we're talking about. And so they're left to do things that we would see as, immoral or unethical. And for them, it's sometimes a matter of survivability. And so I think part of the path to not necessarily turning them, but establishing that common ground and allowing them to see how you view the world and understanding how they view the world and getting them to coming back to good is understanding that some of the decisions they made were a matter of survivability, not of choice. And it was about allowing their family to survive one more day or eat one more meal or get through the week. And sometimes just telling them that you understand why they did what they did. You can see the pressure being released from their bodies because they don't get that opportunity. They know what evil is. They know what bad is. They know that they've made mistakes. And sometimes just having that outlet to discuss some of these mistakes that they've made to somebody who understands, especially somebody that doesn't come from their tribe or is not going to judge them. I found, at least in my interviews and interrogations, is one of the best paths uh, to not necessarily turning them, but getting them to open up and building that shared conscious of, of values and, and morality that they aren't often afforded in their environments because of the conditions that they find themselves in. Mm. Friends, we're talking to Buddy Jericho. He's an intelligence officer with over 18 years of experience supporting national intelligence agencies and the U.S. Special Operations Command. He has 14 combat deployments that put him in Bosnia, Afghanistan, Iraq, and other places. Um, He is now uh, founder and president of a company called Echo Analytics, which we'll talk about uh, in just a moment. But he's giving us insight into his experience of interrogating several thousand what we would call, you know, high value individuals uh, in the in the realm of terrorism. What really works to communicate and get to them? One of the things that I learned from Buddy uh, was that my travels back and forth into the Middle East uh, put me in a place where I actually met with what we would call a senior Islamic thought leader, and Buddy was with me at a luncheon in D.C., where a think tank group of folks didn't actually believe that I had the meeting and what transpired. Do you remember that? I do. I do, Victor. <laughs> they said it, that can't be true. Uh, and and uh, because of who this individual was, uh, I, I, I tell people, 
because they're like, how in the world could you get a meeting with him? I was like, well, he had watched me for two years and so appreciated what we did by helping children. And he said, people don't come here just to help our children, but you have. We've watched you for a couple of years and you're a man of the book. So how can I tell predominantly a Christian audience listening right now, conservatives, how important our faith is to Muslims? People think it's an instant hatred and contention, but for the moderate Muslims, or even for the senior imam, it's not, is it? Yeah, I, I'll tell you, you know, I grew up uh, in a Catholic family in Philadelphia. And so, um, you know, religion was a big part of my life growing up, church. And in my my engagements with some of these leaders uh, in these groups like ISIS or terrorist organizations, uh, is that they're actually very conservative in their thought. Mm. Um, a little bit more extreme, obviously, in some cases. But... Uh, it, it's it's when you think of our enemies, uh, and I think a lot of people, they see war movies and they think of, you know, Eagle's Nest in Germany, or they think of the Russians in Moscow. Um, but, you know, the reality of it is a lot of these uh, folks that uh, seek to do harm to the United States, the things that they learn and things they understand are taught at a very local level. And what I mean by that is a lot of these folks in Afghanistan and Iraq, they don't have access to international news. They don't really understand too much of what's going outside of their tribes or their in their areas, and so they're they're educated in a very uh, local setting, and so they haven't been exposed and they don't understand uh, the West. I'll, I'll give you an example. There was an individual I talked to one time, and when I uh, he had come from uh, northern Iraq, he grew up in Haditha, uh, a village of about six hundred people, and uh, he was very little exposure to the news. And um, when I told him that there were actually Muslims in America, he didn't believe me. He could not fathom the fact that the American government would go to war with Iraq, which is a Muslim country, if we have Muslims in America. Wow. And not only was he blown away by that fact, he was blown away by the fact that there are almost as many Muslims in America as all of Iraq. Uh, and so you can imagine, it's it start, and my point there is it starts with education. Mm. It's not that, you know, our adversaries, and we take this for granted, it's not that our adversaries wake up, uh, especially in the ex extremist groups, with all the education that we have as Westerners. They don't have exposure to that same level of education and the same material that we've all been exposed to and grown up with. Uh, and so it, it's an education process, too. Uh, so part of it is really helping them understand what is really out there in this world and what is really going on outside of their tribes. Um, and so, you know, that's that's really the first step. But I would also say that, you know, they love their families the same way we do. They care about mm. their families the same way we do, even with that lack of access to resources and education. Like I said, that we take for granted in a lot of cases, they still love the same way we do. One of the points I make in my uh, one of our classes that we give is that people, you know, as Americans, we get upset when. You look at an Iraqi who lets a, a vehicle-borne explosive device go through a checkpoint. We get mad, and our initial response to that is that guy's a coward. And well, when you actually begin to think about the world through his eyes, his decision making is very logical, right? Here's a Sunni, an 18-year-old Sunni kid working for a Shia government, making about $200 a month. He has a wife and four kids at home who he happens to love exactly the way we do. We love our family and kids, except 
when one of our service members gets killed, right? The military provides life insurance. We provide family support groups. We, they've been raised in a system that values nationalism and support to the country. He's got none of that. He doesn't really care about his government. His government doesn't really give him any money other than the $200. And if he dies at that checkpoint, his wife has to marry somebody else that he probably doesn't care too much for, and his kids are now orphaned. Mm. There is no infrastructure to support his wife and his children. There's no welfare system. And so my point there being is it's really easy to judge people on the surface of their actions, but it, and it's not logical. It only becomes logical when you truly put yourself in the position of the person of, of some of these folks that we deal with and you deal with all the time and really understand the world from their perspective. And only when you do that, I think, can you truly start to understand why people do what they do and then how we can affect change. Because we can't affect change if we judge people on the surface. And I think that's one of our biggest challenges as a nation overseas, but also here in America, we're, we're dealing with the same issues now because of yep. these disinformation campaigns on social media. And I want to talk about that. I remember uh, coming back from one of my times in Iraq, dealing with a lot of stuff. And I remember trying to tell people, cause they were asking me, what is the best way to deal with ISIS? What is the best way? I said, for here and home, cause people were scared. I said, become friends with Muslims. And they were like, what? No, they're the enemy. And I'm like, our best chance against terrorism is to befriend good Muslims so that they're not radicalized. It's one of the reasons why I've, I think I've been kept safe uh, up until this point in other countries is, you know, uh, of course we, you know, we, we have a lot of experience with uh, messaging uh, the Islamic community. And there's a saying we'll, we'll joke because our friend, our mutual friend says it, that Victor Marx is better known in Iraq on social media than in America. So we kind of laugh, but he, you know, he's the one that said, look, ISIS already knows who you are. Uh, of course he'd want to capture or kill you. <laughs> You've got to get the many Muslims who, to love you because they know that you care about it. That's, again, that's one of the reasons why uh, I I know it works. You know, of course, prayer and preparation and all that wisdom. Uh, but it, what Buddy is sharing with everyone is so important. And as conservatives and Christians, you need to understand um, being friends with Muslims. I mean, there are pastors listening right now. And my question to you is, do you know where any local mosques are? Have you ever, have you ever met uh, the clerics, imams? Take them to lunch. And it may be uncomfortable, but look, you do not have to agree with their approach to religion or whatnot. Find what you do agree with. Talk about the Psalms, you know, talk about the Old Testament. They'll even talk about the prophet Jesus. Uh, you can be friends and appreciate the humanity without what you would consider compromise. And guess what? You just might win the heart of some of these uh, folks in a way that would never happen outside of relationship. Well, buddy, I want to talk about this. Uh, I, I want to I talk yeah. about this disinformation campaign that's going on on social media. Everybody knows that last year was living hell on social media. 
uh, this is right in the center of what you do. And for those of you who don't know, our counter messaging for extremists, the ministry actually has a line of effort that we've been doing counter messaging uh, for years in the Arabic world. Uh, and it's, it's, it's been effective, including making videos and short films that has spoken into and hopefully detoured uh, some young men who could have uh, moved toward extremism. And uh, but he's been right there all the way, uh, knowing that we had a platform and a position that did get people's attention. How would you explain to them about what we've done in that area, buddy? Well, I'll tell you, Victor, it's uh, it, one, it's the, the incredible growth of social media. Uh, just to put it, add a little context to this, um, you know, education and the lack of information that a lot of the, the people in these countries we go to have, right? And so they went from television sets and a little bit of radio, which we, you know, take for granted here in the United States, to everybody having a cell phone and access to social media. And what's incredible about that is that they're, you know, social media changed the game because we are no longer just the recipients of data. We get to be involved and engaged in that conversation and the whole world is involved in this conversation. And so information, uh, you know, people say data, is liquid gold. Information mm. is really liquid gold. And um, everybody has a cell phone, right? I mean, and when I say everybody, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but over 80% of the world's population now has a cell phone. Uh, so access to information is, uh, is rampant. And our adversaries understand how important that is. They understand that if you control the narrative, you control the way people think. And so, you know, for us at Echo Analytics Group, it was real easy when we went from being intelligence officers in some of these units that you discussed, that the natural trans transition to us was into the digital space because we were no longer fighting narratives on the ground. We had to fight narratives in the digital space and that's what ATP is doing as well to counter these narratives. But the, the reality of it is, is they our adversaries are moving at a much faster pace than we are. And so at Echo Analytics Group, it's not only about helping our the federal government and our clients combat that the disinformation campaigns that affect us here in the US but uh, it's it's also building a platform that protects our businesses and our citizens here in the United States as well this is something that really affects everybody you don't have to be into trying to stop terrorists but my goodness what's happening in the realm of social media uh matters from your children's mind and hearts to what you buy uh, and even the information that you're listening to can literally change the way you think. And, you know, we just returned from the Texas-Mexico border with information on what's really happening down there. And I remember us posting it on social media and people going, I had no idea. I really didn't know this is how it was. So you have to be discerning of your your sources. And our daily intelligence brief is something that, um, you know, Echo Analytic Groups was key in helping us uh, develop and distribute on a daily basis. And that's something that is really in the center of your wheelhouse. Our time is cut short today. So could you stick around so we can do 
one more episode uh, that will really enlighten and get people to that next level? Yeah, absolutely, Victor. I'd be happy to. Great. And I appreciate that. You've been listening to a dear friend of mine, colleague, and a board member of All Things Possible Ministries, Mr. Buddy Jericho. Uh, as I said in the beginning, he is one of the, well, I'll say this, uh, and embarrass him, but he's considered a legend in the intelligence community because of the work that he's done. And what you've seen in a number of movies, or you've heard about incredible actions by some of our most elite units out there, uh, it's safe to say oftentimes Mr. Jericho uh, was a mind behind gathering intelligence to help us capture uh, or hurt the feelings of extremely bad monsters. Um, So stay tuned for tomorrow's episode or we will pick this discussion up and I appreciate you. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, do it for the glory of God. Full throttle. We'll see you next time. Now go get it done. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.